You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chuck Carlson in We Hold These Truths Speaks Out. Tonight, Craig Hansen, who is our leader on the West Coast and who has uh, conducted more vigils in California lately than anywhere else that we have done this, And we're speaking here about vigils that we hold at meetings of the Southern Baptist Convention and some of the meetings of Christians United for Israel, which we started following many years ago. Craig will talk to us about some of the changes that are going on in this picture where we have John Hagee, the longstanding leader of Christians United for Israel, who has been campaigning politically for the state of Israel and against the Palestinian people and for just about any actions in the United States that benefits the state of Israel. So Mr. Hagee, a pastor, has turned away from Christ and rarely mentions Jesus in any of his uh, programs, which have become increasingly political. We think for that reason he's losing influence within the Christian church. We're going to hear what Craig has to say for that, and we're going to get some ideas about what we can best do to uh, help to steer our country away from the impending wars that are coming up in Russia, most prominently, North Korea, mentioned almost every day, and of course, North Korea's ally, China. So as the focus moves away from the Middle East and on toward Russia and the Far East, we wonder how we can best deal with this in our churches. So Craig Hansen has a theological background. He's theologically trained. He's very knowledgeable about the Bible and about teaching it. So Craig, tell us what's the latest with the movement to support war through our churches, because that's really what Christian United for Israel actually does, is it supports the idea that we need to go to war against the people that they pick out as our enemies. Thanks, Chuck. Well, what started out tonight is it was going to be a report on the recent Christians United for Israel Summit in Washington, D.C. But as I started listening to it, and by the way, if anyone wants to listen to the whole thing, it is on uh, YouTube under uh, Kufi's banner. So there's an official Kufi site. What I found, Chuck, as I started going through this, it's something I hadn't thought about. And as I start presenting this, you're going to go, oh, this is pretty interesting. I'm going to entitle this little piece. It's going to be the title. There's an unregistered foreign agent in town. In 1938, the U.S. Congress passed the Foreign Agents Registration Act called FARA, F-A-R-A. And you can go to FARA.gov, which is the website, and this is a U.S. government organization, and this is what it says off their website. FARA is a disclosure statute that requires persons acting as agents of foreign principles in a political or quasi-political capacity to make periodic public disclosure of their relationship with the foreign principle, as well as activities, receipts, and disbursements in support of those activities. 
disclosure of the required information facilitates evaluation by the government and the American people of the statements and activities of such persons in light of their function as foreign agents. The FARA Registration Unit of the Counterintelligence and Export Control Section of the National Security Division is responsible for the administration and enforcement of the act. Well, that is something that KUFI, APAC, and I'm, I'm sure there's a whole list of other foreign agents that work on behalf of Israel that don't want any of this being disclosed because it, it opens up their financial statements to where's the money going. And little history on this, in the uh, 1950s, President Eisenhower's administration repeatedly demanded the leaders of, at that time, the American Zionist Council to be registered as agents of a foreign government. And in 1962, November, Attorney General Robert Kennedy's Department of Justice ordered that the American Zionist Council be registered as a foreign agent because of alleged uh, FARA violations that it was being funded by the Jewish agent for Israel and acting on behalf of Israel. The Department of Justice later withdrew its demand. The American Zionist Council was reorganized as what we know as APAC, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. So it was reorganized, the name changed, but in 1988, former Senator William Fulbright and then also in the 70s, former senior CIA official Victor Marchetti unsuccessfully petitioned the Department of Justice to register the APAC under this act. APAC itself was founded by a gentleman named Isaiah Kennan, and Kennan originally ran the American Zionist Committee for Public Affairs as a lobbying division of the American Zionist Council. Before that, Kennan was an employee of the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So what you see going on here is this kind of a tangled web of Zionist councils, APAC, this Foreign Registration Act, which gets knocked down every time they start coming after any of these Jewish organizations. Well, you know, John Hagee, who you talked about, you know, he's the founder of KUFI, Christians United for Israel, and he has called KUFI a Christian APAC. And interesting, I was doing some research here. In August 15, 2006, Democracy Now! show, it was entitled Christians United for Israel, the new Christian Zionism lobby hopes to rival APAC. Well, their hopes to rival APAC have definitely come to fruition. As I started doing some more research, I found out that KUFI actually is claiming more membership than APAC itself. In uh, Bloomberg View, January 10th, 2017 article, the writer Eli Lake quotes, KUFI, Christians United for Israel, has a Jewish executive director. His name is David Brog. And he, uh, this writer is quoting David Brog saying, he told me last week that his organization, KUFI, is better positioned to drive the pro-Israel agenda in Trump's Washington than AIPAC. That's from David Brog. In a June 12, 2017 article in the uh, Jewish publication Forward, by the way, which was founded in 1897 as a Yiddish language daily, this young writer named uh, Benjamin Coates states, as a young Jew, KUFI was an unknown acronym in the alphabet soup of my early Israel education. While APAC occupied the throne as the largest and best-funded pro-Israel group in the United States, 
the growing specter of a right-wing evangelical movement escaped mainstream Jewish consciousness. Yet over a decade after it was founded by mega-pastor John Hagee, Kufi now claims a membership 30 times higher than that of APAC and raises millions of dollars in support of settlements and weapons deals through fervent preaching, lobbying, and advocacy. So that's being spoken by a Jewish young man. And then here, a little closer, February 14th of 2017, this article came from Religion and Politics, the news journal, and it was entitled, How an Orthodox Rabbi Became an Unlikely Ally of the Christian Right. And uh, the author of this piece is a gentleman named Michael Schulzen, and he states, quote, in the last decade, Riskin, and he's the, he's the rabbi he's talking about, Riskin has quietly developed another project, outreach to Christians, and especially to conservative American evangelicals. His most important partnership is with John Hagee, a Texas megachurch pastor whose organization, Christians United for Israel, KUFI, claims a membership role larger than that of APAC. Like APAC, KUFI advocates for policies that it sees as pro-Israel and organizes activists and donors across the country. Okay, so why is this important if we're going to just be discussing Kufi's summit in Washington, D.C.? Well, there's, there's one word that describes it, and that one word is influence. This year's Kufi summit was a two-day affair. It was held on July 17th and 18th, and the whole purpose is energizing the attendees on day one and also the morning of day two. And after that, they were sent out, These all the, the people that attended, they were sent out to lobby their members of Congress to support the state of Israel that afternoon. Well, one definition of lobbyists I came across states this, professional lobbyists are people whose business is trying to influence legislation, regulation, or other government decisions, actions, or policies on behalf of a group or individual who hires them. That's kind of the definition of a, of, a, of a lobbyist, professional lobbyist. Well, what's so different about KUFI is that it gets its members, the attendees, it gets them to pay their way to the convention. It, they, they have to provide their own support while they're in Washington, D.C., and then they lobby their own House and Senate representatives for free. I mean, this is a great win for KUFI. It gets, it gets the, the people doing what most lobbyists get paid to do. It gets, uh, KUFI gets their people to do it for free. As I was looking at this, I was reminded of the scripture in Ezekiel 16. I'm not going to go through the scripture because it's pretty, it's almost R-rated. But the, the scripture in Ezekiel 16, where the prophet is condemning an apostate Judah, and in verse 35 of chapter 16, he accuses Judah of such vileness that they were actually paying others to abuse them. And what's happening here is that we're seeing the Christian evangelicals actually paying their own way, giving their money away to really bring uh, this kind of what I see as the destruction of our constitutional republic through the c control of the Zionist forces. I really do see that what APAC can do and KUFI is no less than subversion to uh, who we are as a constitutional republic. I'd like to go over some of the speaker list at KUFI this year. It was quite something. I'll start with Colonel Alan West. He was 22 years in the military. John R. Bolton served in the U.S. Permanent Representative of the United Nations. David Brogg, 
who is the uh, director. As I mentioned earlier, he's the director of KUFI. Congressman Kevin Brady, Dr. Billy Brim, she's a uh, kind of a televangelist. Senator Conran from Texas, Avi Dichter, a member of the Knesset. Here we have a Jewish citizen, Israeli citizen, Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa, Colonel Trent Franks from Arizona, of course, John Hagee, Dr. Yorman Harzani, his title, he's the uh, president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem and director of the John Templeton Foundation Project in Jewish Philosophical Theology. So he's there. Uh, Congressman Doug Lamborn from Colorado, Congressman Louis Gormert from Texas, uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who you see on uh, Fox News, and he's an assistant to Trump, uh, Lynn Hammond, she's the National Director of Daughters for Zion, which is the uh, women's side of the KUFI, uh, Malcolm Hornling, he's chairman and president of major American Jewish organizations, coordinating body for over 50 Jewish organizations, and I'm sure none of those are listed as uh, foreign agents. Cheryl Morrison, who's the wife of George Morrison, they're up in Arvada, Colorado. We've talked about him before. And here we go, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He appeared on a, a live teleconference during the uh, presentation. And then we have Vice President Mike Pence and finally Eric Stakelback, who's uh, on a, a Kufi show. I think he got his start with TBN or one of, one of the Christian networks. So that's kind of the speakers they had at the convention. But for me, the most egregious of this fawning over Israel came with the appearance of Vice President Mike Pence. He was the keynote speaker of the first day's Night to Honor Israel celebration. I pulled down some quotes from his speech. This can be found at the whitehouse.gov website, and you can just go to the date of July 17th. You'll find his whole speech there in a transcript. I'd like to just give you an idea of some of the things he said at the, at the conference. Quote, and today, through Christians United for Israel, more than 3.3 million believers have raised their voices, have not been silent in support of Israel, and you can be heard in every city and town across America and in every office on Capitol Hill. And rest assured, the man down the street at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue hears you too. And thunderous applause on that one. Next one. Quote, now for my part, Karen and I have always treasured our relationship with Christians United for Israel. I had the honor to speak to this great group when I was a member of Congress. I worked hand-in-hand -hand with Kufi when I was governor of the state of Indiana. And with the support and prayers of men and women gathered in this room, I'm proud to say in my last year as governor, it was my great privilege to sign one of the strongest anti-BDS laws in America to ensure our state never does business with those who seek to inflict financial damage on Israel. More applause. Because boycott, divestment, and sanctions have no place in my home state and no place in America. Applause, applause, applause. Not to mention our First Amendment right that we can do what we want. But anyway, I'll go to the next one. Next quote. My friend, to look at Israel is to see that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob keeps the promises he makes to his people and to each one of us. Ezekiel prophesied. I mean, I'm sure he didn't want to talk about the, uh, the prophecy that I, I read. But anyway, Ezekiel prophesied, quote, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, end quote. 
and the state of Israel and her people bear witness to God's faithfulness as well as their own. How unlikely was Israel's birth? How much more unlikely has been her survival? And how confounding against all odds has been her thriving? Since the moment of their independence, the Jewish people have awed the world with their strength of will and their strength of character. Indeed, anyone with eyes to see and ears to hear must acknowledge that Israel is a living testimony to the power of hope over hate, and so she always will be. More applause. Here's another one. The Jewish people have turned the desert into a garden, sickness into health, scarcity into plenty, despair into hope, and slander into blessings, rebuking all who condemn them, not for what they do wrong, but what for they do right. And under President Trump, if the world knows nothing else, the world will know this. America stands with Israel now and always. More applause. And this is the last quote I'll use tonight. Quote, for my part, like all of you, my passion for Israel springs from my Christian faith. It's really the greatest privilege of my life to serve as vice president to a president who cares so deeply for our most cherished ally. Let me say with confidence to all gathered here and to all of the watching world, President Trump and I stand without apology for Israel today. We will stand without apology for Israel tomorrow. And President Donald Trump and I will stand with Israel always. Of that, you may be assured. Applause, 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 applause. But Vice President Pence also shared the stage that evening for the Night to Honor Israel with the uh, Israeli ambassador to the United States. He's named Ron Dermer. And which is interesting, Ron Dermer, who, by the way, like his predecessor, Michael Oren, were both U.S. citizens. They were born in the U.S. And they had, both of them, had to renounce their U.S. citizenship to serve as Israeli ambassadors to the United States because they can't have dual citizenship as an ambassador. So they renounced the U.S. citizenship to take on the Israeli citizenship and become the Israeli ambassador to the United States. Former Representative Cynthia McKinney has gone on record exposing the APAC loyalty oath that uh, she was asked to sign as Congresswoman. And as far as I know, she's the only one that's come out and said that I tried to find if anything in writing to that effect, but I can't find it anywhere. But it's very clear that if you don't toe the line when it comes to APAC, that you're going to be gone. Cynthia McKinney refused to support APAC and Israel, and she was gone. The funding came in. For her opponent and that was the end of her a great book and i think it's a good part to insert it they dare to speak out by a former congressman paul finley that really gets into the power of apac and if you don't go along with their agenda you're done so chuck i really think it's it's long overdue to expose apac and now kufi as the foreign agents that they really are and to make them disclose their funding sources and disbursements I'd like to close this, this little talk with two scriptures uh, from the book of Acts. This passage comes from uh, chapter 14. This is where Paul and Barnabas are were at the city of Iconium. And it says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. In verse 4, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. And I think it's time for us to side with the apostles and Jesus and, and take a stand for Christ. Because Kufi, and especially APAC, 
do not represent the teachings of Jesus, and the followers of Christ have no business supporting the state of Israel. That's the point that we're trying to make over and over again for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at the scriptures. Look at who Jesus is and say, where does this Kufi and APAC fit into the plan of Christ? Well, it doesn't. And that's the message we're trying to, to get out. There you have it, Chuck. Very good close and absolutely right. I have not listened to the whole conference, but I've listened to other Christians United for Israel conference, and Christianity is never a part of it. And here you have the people who are not even Christians, of course, who are leading Christians United for Israel, yeah. including its director. So why are members of millions of Christian churches, why are they being allowed to have their good names plastered all over this organization that's nothing more than a lobbying organization for a foreign government? And one that actually, in spite of everything that's said, is the most abusive to its own Arab citizens. The state of Israel operates under no Christian principles whatsoever that are discernible. And let's hope that uh, the individuals who are in these churches wake up to the reality that if they follow the lead of Christians United for Israel and the state of Israel, their government will lead them into war first one place and then another, all over the Middle East. And when we run out of wars in the Middle East, then uh, the same people will be coerced into leading wars against other countries, such as are now being talked about in Russia and North Korea, and even possibly China. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.